wanted to welcome everybody from North Carolina. So everybody just turn around a moment and just greet this, the screen, the camera over there. Because God bless you, North Carolina. Praise God. Just remember, we're more than just what you see here. We're continuing to expand as, as the word of the Lord gave us the, um, the instructions. So we're following hard after Almighty God. Appreciate the worship. That was amazing today. And, uh, I'm grateful to God for what he's doing. I, I received this uh, in one of our Tuesday studies. Uh, Sister Celeste, she declared it. I think it's one of her studies. She received a, a declaration, season of expansion and advancement declaration. And I found it to be very apropos to our season and very, very uh, connected to what we're doing and where we're going. So I wanted to also declare it. I don't know if everybody got a copy, but oh, okay, that's awesome. Okay, all right. So any of you that got the notes for today also got a copy of the Season of Expansion and Advancement Declaration. So I just want to declare it. I want to declare it together. Praise God. How many have it? Just so uh, wave. Have it. All right. Praise Amen. God. If you don't have one, maybe one of the uh, ushers or deacons can. You have any more? On this side? Yeah. Praise God. All right. We all have one? It's called the Season of Expansion and Advancement Declaration. So let's just declare it together. Amen. Um, when, I, when I count to three. One, two, three. We decree that we are loose from spirits of delay, decline, procrastination, and decay. In the name of Jesus, we break all wicked operations by the princes and powers of the air and rulers of darkness, and we say that they are cast out from working against us. We decree that reduction is replaced with increase and enlargement. Decline is replaced with improvement, growth, and fruitfulness. Dead dreams are replaced with living, resurrected vision. We declare same-day miracles rest upon us. We declare our God-given gifts be activated for the perfecting of the saints as we walk in boldness. We declare we are flourishing and a new season of expansion and advancement is upon us. Thank you, Father, for the breakthrough of this, this year, 2020. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. So take that home. Let that sink into your spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Let's open the word of the Lord to 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to read from verse 5 on. It came um, shortly after David had defeated Goliath. The king uh, asked for this young man. He said, who is this young man that was able to accomplish that? And they told him it was David, son of Jesse. And so Saul asked him to come, uh, come with him full time. And so David was in a situation where he went from shepherding sheep to defeating 
uh, the greatest enemy that Israel had at the moment to suddenly being in front of the king. I mean, it's just what a marked difference. Imagine if you're doing your daily chores and suddenly you're called on to do something on a national scale. Uh, you're thrust on because of uh, something you did suddenly and, and it went viral and suddenly, you know, the, the mayor or the governor or maybe even the president asks you to do something at a national level because they saw you working on a more local level. So that's what happened to David. So 1 Samuel chapter 18 says, Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so yours might be a little different. What verse? Uh, uh, 1 Samuel 18 verse 5 on. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. In other words, this man so pleased everyone that when the decision was made, everyone received him. So when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, Women from all over the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and they danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. And this was their song. <coughs> Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. So this made Saul, who by the way happened to be the king, very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands? Next, they'll be making him their king. Little did he know he was prophesying. And so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. He had a wrong spirit. Any strong leader wants David's around him. It's only an insecure person that would be jealous or threatened by somebody that's strong next to them. The very next day, a tormenting spirit or evil spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. And he began to rave in his house like a madman. Now, let me just share there. It's not that it came from God. It's that God allowed this tormenting spirit to come upon him because this man was out of order. So he was not protected because he was disobedient and pretty much, uh, you know, he was in grave sin. The CEV version says that, it says it this way. The Lord let or allowed an evil spirit to take control of Saul. And he began acting like a crazy man inside his house. And here's the problem. David was inside his house at the time he began to act crazy. So David was playing the harp as he did each day. Because he would play the harp for Saul. Because Saul would have these bouts of depression. And so every time he played the harp, it would calm Saul down. But this time it says Saul had a spear in his hand. Verse 11. And he suddenly hurled it at David intending to pin him on the wall. But David escaped him twice. So in other words, he just didn't throw it once. He went, got the javelin, and threw it at David again. So you could just imagine uh, the play going on in that house. Like, you know, David's running and, and trying to do, uh, you know, whatever you would call it. And this guy's throwing the javelin twice. But David escaped him twice. So Saul was then afraid of David. For the Lord was with David. And had turned away from Saul. You notice how Saul understood this. He knew God wasn't with him. He was in a wrong spirit. He was in a wrong relationship with God. 
And finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men. And David faithfully led his troops into battle. So David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. And notice when we first started, the verse said, he did everything well. See, so David was disciplined. David was submitted to protocol. David didn't uh, do whatever he pleased. He did whatever the king wanted, what his commanders wanted. He obeyed uh, the process. He submitted to process. And it says, when Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. Holy Spirit, I pray, strengthen me this moment. Give me your wisdom. I pray that you minister through me. Lord God, think through my mind, speak through my lips. Father, minister to your people. We'll give you the glory, my God. Hallelujah, because the glory belongs to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated in God's presence. So season of expansion and advancement declaration. That's where we're at right now. God's expanding us on the inside. He's moving in us on the inside. And so today I wanted to talk about a couple of minutes about your warfare reveals new opportunities. Your warfare reveals new opportunities. And so notice that David was being promoted, but understand that he was promoted in the midst of warfare. Because where does his promotion come from? What did he do in order to get promoted? Did he get a doctorate from Harvard? What did he do? Huh? He killed the Goliath. He killed the giant. So it was in an act of warfare that he re received his promotion. He received this increase. And you'll note that your times of increase won't come during nice, quiet, peaceful times. It'll always come during a time of confrontation, times of battle. And that's what warfare is all about. One nation taking over another nation's goods. They go in, spoil the nation, take their money, take their economy, take their land, take their people, make it their own. They call the nation a new nation. It becomes a new uh, monetary um, process, right? And that's what war is, uh, taking land, it, it, you know, expanding, Amen. right? And so every time David chose to obey God, God continued to increase him. And you'll find all the times that you are in a process of increase, those around you uh, will either celebrate you or hate you. Those around you will either accept it, rejoice with you, or they'll turn against you. Not everybody could come into your new season. And sometimes the people you want most to come into your new season will be the ones that will betray you the most or hurt you the most. So we need to understand that. And, and I'm not going to say we're going to be comfortable with it, but you, you need to understand it and you need to appreciate that fact. Not everybody's going to understand what God is doing in your life. Certainly the king, the one that should have celebrated David and made him his ace and, and keep him there. I mean, what king wouldn't want a man like that that could keep, kill the Goliaths in, in his region? But yet, Saul himself tried to kill the next king. The previous king tried to kill the next king. And many times, the people of a previous move will try to kill those of the new move because they don't understand them. Or they're jealous of them. Or they, won't let, they don't want to let go of the reins. Or they don't want to appreciate what God is doing in the new generation. And this is why it's so important that we understand that God is doing a multi-generational work in our midst. If we don't understand it, we'll do the same thing like Saul. We'll try to kill the generation that's coming in. 
I got no, I got one amen. Amen. Thank you for that amen. So we have to be very, very sensitive in this day because God is linking us with like-minded believers in the region. So as we respect them, as we appreciate them, what will happen is we'll increase together. But if we get into this place of jealousy, we get into this place of, of being afraid of leaders that look stronger than us, uh, it's, it's, it's not going to end well. And it's not going to end well for you. You need to reject any um, uh, attempts or any se sensing in your flesh of jealousy. You have to be good in your own skin. You're not called to be everything. You're not called to do everything. You're called to do something. So just make sure that you do what God called you to do and let everybody else do what they're called to do and work with them. The other thing is that you're not always going to be called to lead. Sometimes you'll be the second chair. Sometimes you'll be the first chair. Sometimes you'll be the third chair. Sometimes you'll be uh, the group chair. But you have to be all right with that. See, because ultimately the ones in charge is Almighty God. Hallelujah. So David, he did everything well. He just really did everything. Whatever God gave him to do, he was successful at it. And this is, this is an issue. Whenever uh, you look at uh, people, uh, we all have our own pre-described, uh, pre I would say, uh, notions, or uh, we look at people in certain ways by the lens of our own background. Sometimes we look down at those that are going through difficult times, those that are uh, uh, going through perceived failure, and you know, that's a mistake. Because failure is not really failure, not in the way we look at it. Yes. Failure is that it didn't work that way, uh, so we have to try another way. We human beings learn by failing. Amen. What you know how to do very well now, at one point you couldn't do it well at all. At one point it intimidated you. Intimidated you. When you were a child, you couldn't pick up a spoon. Your, your, your hand would try to go with the spoon and you'd try to do your best and your brain was lear learning how to connect the neurons and the communication between the hand and the head and they, the little boy or the little girl failed their way into learning how to do it. So all it is is that we're in process. So instead of looking down at people that are going through a hard time, we need to pray for people that are going through challenges. Because if somebody would have walked in the room when the, when the king was trying to kill David, they might have said, what did David do wrong that the king is, is you know, trying to end him? <laughs> we need to put that boy in jail because he obviously did something wrong, right? No, they, they would have misunderstood the scenario. It was actually the king that was out of order. So when we're going through a hard time in the same way, we have to understand the process of what we're experiencing. Sometimes it's just God's dealings with us. Sometimes it's us learning how to handle a situation we're not used to. Sometimes it's the work of the enemy trying to bring us down and we just have to stand our ground and we're in warfare. So we have to understand what's the difference. What is going on? So it's, it's amazing to consider uh, that uh, what some people call, um, you know, I guess a problem, an issue. All it is is discipline. All it is is hard work. All it is is patience. All it is is long-suffering. And sometimes we need to suffer long. Sometimes God allows us to go through a process, and in that process we're learning. We're going through setbacks, but the setbacks are teaching us something. 
We need to learn in every setback. We need to learn throughout the process of all our mistakes because that's how we learn. I, I, for one, I've been learning, like you know, I've been learning how to use computers. What was very frustrating to me one year ago, I actually can pretty much, Amen. almost with my eyes closed, Amen. take care of it now. Amen. And right now I'm dealing with other issues that I'm learning to uh, uh, broach and, and to work with. And it's very frustrating. But I realize that the frustration is not something real. It's just basically my inability at the moment to master it. So all I need to do is relax, take it easy, just continue to work at it, and it'll work itself out. Um, actually, today, even the world has come to understand that, that our bodies are actually wired for success. Our minds are actually wired for success. Amen. We, we don't have to battle it. It's, it's ours. We just have to practice, study, prepare ourselves. That's why God tells us we need to meditate on his word. We need to meditate on the scripture. We need to be disciplined because if we're not, we're lazy, we'll never go through the practice of becoming successful in whatever God called us to do. Yes. And, and he wires us that way. And even the, the animals, um, I was listening uh, not so long ago to something that really blessed me because a bird, when they're born, what, what school is it that they go to? What aviation school? Is it that they go to? Huh? The Aviary Institute of Technology? Is that what they go to? It comes naturally? What does that even mean? It's built in. And it does come natural because it's built in. It's hardwired. God gave them the ability to be naturally successful. They don't have to learn it. They just have to practice. Now, in the beginning, when you see them starting, they're in their little niche, and they're going to they, they do that a lot, right? Have you seen them? What happened? But not right away. The mom allows them. They, the mom knows enough. She's also hard, hardwired. She doesn't go to the mother's school of technology either. <laughs> but yet, she's able to give them the time. And then somewhere along the line, she's hardwired to know when they're ready, even though they don't know they're ready. Yes. So now they're flapping real hard. I mean, this, it's natural air conditioning in that area because they're really going hard at it. And the mother just goes, boop, and kicks them out. See, but it's, it's, it's weird, but that is so true. Uh, squirrels. Squirrels are amazing. They know exactly where their food is at. Where's their food? Wherever they put it. Who taught them that? It's hardwired. God put it in their DNA. And so this is what I'm saying. We are, we are hard, hardwired for success. But we're the only creation that have the ability to make decisions because they don't think decisions. See, God puts that in them so that they can uh, appropriate, they can eat, they can provide, they can raise their, their little ones, right? So that's hardwired into them. They don't have to think much, just survive and, and, and do what they need to do. But we're the ones that build the bridges. We're the ones that God gave us that ability. You know, we're made in his image and his likeness. So we have the ability to make decisions. So consequently, many times, we make the wrong decisions. That's right. And then the other thing is God hardwired us in such a way that we could learn things and we can get better at things, but many times we choose to use that in a negative way. And so... The problem is that many times our thinking is our own worst enemy because we'll stop doing the very things that can make us successful. David, on the other hand, 
Whatever they told him to do, he just did it. You know, he, he worshiped God in the morning. He praised God. He would take God's word into his daily life. Every day he'd worship God. He'd get God's mind on it. And then he would accomplish that which God was calling him to do. Right? So he gave no time for ease. No time for laziness. No time for his mind to think something that would go contrary to success. Yes. Example, when the giant came and he started cursing at everybody, all the soldiers, what did the soldiers think about the giant? Hmm? We, we can't. Yeah. And we know that's true because for 40 days he would go out during the daytime, curse at them and says, just give me one of you guys. We'll fight. Whoever wins, you know, that's the one the, where the nation will celebrate, right? Okay. Nobody went out. Not one warrior. All the warriors stayed. Not me. You. Not me. Mm -mm. I can just imagine that. You know, of course, not that way, but in their own way. I'm not going to tackle that thing. But yet when David came in and saw him, what was his attitude? What were his words? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I'll take care of him. The nerve of this guy, right? Listen, that's how it seems. That's the impression we get. That he was so offended at this huge giant. He said, I'll, I'll take care of him. You know, you, you people don't know, but when I had to tackle the bear, God gave me the strength and the strategy and the wisdom. When I had to tackle the lion, you know, God gave me the wisdom. He gave me the victory. This guy will be the same as one of those. What kind of mindset is that? What was the difference between David and the soldiers, the other soldiers? What was the difference? He knew who he was in Christ or, or, or in, right. But I, I, I look at it and it just, the only difference was the way he thought. So in other words, what was it that he fed on that gave him such amazing confidence? It was the word of God and the daily practice of, of honoring his word and trusting his word, walking in his word, and, and practicing the presence of God, being in the presence of God every day. Because if you're in the presence of a great person, after a while, some of that stuff is going to come on you. We have a saying in Spanish, Tell me who you walk with, I'll tell you who you are. And he spent his time with who? With the number one warrior. Because God is also the man of war, right? The God of war, right? So we need to understand that. that our attitude many times comes from those that we spend the most time with. Or the things that you spend the most time with. David spent his time in the Word. He spent his time with God. He spent his time with other warriors. He was already known as a warrior. He was not a little you know, young boy, you know, blonde-haired, I think it was red-haired. No, he was known as a warrior. And when, when they were looking at Saul, and said, Saul, you, you, you have issues, man. Uh, I know a guy that knows how to play a harp, but this guy is known as a warrior. Yes. So he was already known as a warrior. Yes. So what is your, what is your testimony pre-Goliath? What are you known as before you're famous? Because that's going to determine what you're known as after you're famous. 
because it's only it's only an amplification. When you're famous, all it is is an amplification uh, amplification of what you already are. That was that was a Twitter Twitterable moment. And another thing about it, you know, let's say some of us are, yeah, but I hit rock bottom. I've tried everything I can. But someone once said this, and, and, it, and it hit me. Shifting your perspective about rock bottom takes a shift in your thinking. Think about the words rock bottom. Rock is a solid word. Things that are strong and tough are described as rock solid. Even the Bible describes houses that will never be destroyed as being built on rock, the solid foundation. So if you've hit rock bottom, you're in a really good place. Now you could build. Now you've got rid of all the fluff, all the garbage, and now you're ready to build. You're ready to build. You're ready to build. The great springboard. Dr. David Jeremiah once said this. He said, when God asks one of his servants to endure difficulty, he intends it for his glory and for our ultimate good. Neither the devil nor the lions know what to do with people who refuse to be consumed by the culture or their enemies. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And someone, someone else said this. It's a psychological fact that what we cherish most, what we cherish most is what we work the hardest to gain. And this nation, unfortunately, we're, we're creating a nation of people that just want free stuff. And that's not going to end well. It's not going to end well because you only appreciate the things you work for. I remember when I was going to get married, um, I wanted help from my dad. And my dad made me give him $40 a week. And in 1970, when did we get married? 1979? 78? 78? Anytime I want an accurate date, I ask my wife. So we got married in 1978. So, you know, $20... No, $40 a week was a lot of money in that time. And for me, I wasn't, you know, making like $40 an hour. And so I was very angry at him. Well, you got to pay rent. I said, God, I'm getting married. Man, I need your help. Pay your rent. And, you know, he, he didn't talk much. It was just, you know, you do it and that's it. Do it or there's the door. And I didn't want to leave because, you know, I wanted the money to get married. So when I got married, you know what he did? All that money I'd given him, he had saved it up for me. For me and my wife. So I appreciated that. And, and, but, it, you know, in my young mind, I said, well, you're only giving me what I gave you. <laughs> I mean, you know, come on, man. I work for this. So I took it. I really appreciate it. But I, it had value to me. Above and beyond uh, whatever it was, a couple hundred dollars or I don't know how much it was. But I appreciated that because I worked for it. So I took that I went, I don't, even, I don't want to spend this thing. <laughs> Praise God. But it's true. Anything you work for, you'll appreciate it. If it's given to you, you don't have the same regard for it. You don't have the same appreciation for it. So the further we have come, the further we have worked, the further we have suffered, the further we have uh, gone through difficulties in attaining the things that we have, the sweeter the celebration at the destination when we arrive. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Always remember this. Always remember this. The reason why we walk through the valley is that we're on a journey. You're not pitching a tent in the valley. You're just passing through. The reason why you're passing through 
is because you've already seen something beyond the valley. So if you're going through a situation right now, you could get stuck there. And that's what happens with most of us. We get stuck. We're, we're in a place where, oh, man, again, I, don't, I can't see my way out of this. Well, you're in a problem. You're, you, you have a problem if you can't see beyond it. Because only what you see beyond is what's going to give you the strength yes. in the valley. Yes, what did David say? Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because... Because, well, uh, because you are with me, right? So I say, so because, you see, because you're with me. I'm just, let's just say that together. Because, amen. Because God is with us. So if we could see God in the valley, we'll see him in the mountain. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So David was going through all these battles. I mean, the king was trying to kill him. I mean, it doesn't get, unless I'm serving you. I'm doing my best for you. I killed Goliath for you and for the nation. This is how I get paid? How would you respond? If after you did something, I mean, extremely kind, like save the world, something extremely kind, and you get two javelins thrown at you. And move to another kingdom, exactly. Think about it. How, what is it with this guy that he kept on? And then, guess what? Saul kept on going after him. And one day, guess what? While Saul is sleeping somewhere, David walks up to him. I could take care of you right now. And nobody would know a thing. Except for my people that are running away with me. But you know what I'm going to do? He went, grabbed a little piece of his... Uh, you know, I don't know, a shirt or a garment, whatever, ripped it, went up to the mountaintop, called that Saul, Saul, is that you, my son? You have nerve to call my son. <laughs> Look. Yeah, that's right. I could have taken you today. But I refuse to hurt the Lord's anointed. I refuse. And that was part of his success. Yes. See, we can all get down and dirty. Yes. Truth of the matter is, it doesn't make a difference how big and bad a person thinks. There's always somebody bigger and badder than they are. Exactly. Oh, yeah. We know that. You, look at the way the mafia is. Mr. Big and Bad, next day he's dead. Right. Who, who, who gets raised up? The next big, big and bad. Right. Truth of the matter is, is that David honored protocol. Yes. He honored God yes. in the good times. But he honored God in the very difficult times. Your success ultimately will not be in your easy chair. Your success will ultimately be in the battlefield and how you do your warfare. Because there's dirty warfare and then there's righteous warfare. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So dirty warfare is you spit me, I'll spit you right back. And we see a lot of that in this nation today. A lot of that's going on, right? People have a hard time getting along. Even at a government level, people are spitting each other every day. Hating each other, trying to take each other down. That's not the right way to do stuff. As a man of God, as a woman of God, we're not called to operate like the world operates. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. 
And we have to understand how to fight our warfare. God's not saying for you not to fight. Some people misunderstand this thing that, you know, you, if somebody slaps you in the right cheek, you know, turn your other cheek, let them slap the other. There are times when you're preaching the gospel, you, you'll get hit for it. Right? Celeste, you were there just yesterday, and I think Yvette also with, with you. Yeah, both of you, praise God, you're out there evangelism, evangelizing. If somebody hits you, you know, God gets glory on that. Especially if you... <laughs> Imagine Celeste jumping, what, you don't want <laughs> <laughs> God gets glory when Celeste says, listen, peace, peace. But there are times you're called to do warfare. But our warfare is handled differently. We warfare by the word of God. We warfare in prayer. We warfare by enduring. We warfare by bringing correction, but righteously. I don't have to curse when I rebuke. I don't have to curse when I bring correction. I don't have to lead like a drunken sailor. Well, this is work. You know, church is one thing, but work is another thing. Uh-uh, I'm sorry. You are the church. So wherever you are, you have to behave like the church because you are the church. Number two, you're an ambassador. Yeah, I'm just about ready to say that. You want to preach my message now? Last week was Lord, that's now you. It's good. No, no, listen. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're an ambassador. An ambassador represents his country. So if an ambassador gets drunk in another nation, that, that, that brings embarrassment and shame to the nation he represents or she represents. Hallelujah. She said, wherever we are, we're representing Almighty God. We're representing the Lord Jesus Christ. So David understood that and he, he walked honorably. Impairment of vision always creates problems with your forward mobility. When you can't see beyond the valley, you get stuck. And that's why it's important to see. That's why it's important to be in a continual relationship with Almighty God, because He'll show you the prophetic picture. Yes. And it's an ongoing prophetic picture. Seeing beyond the valley will help to jog you from momentary paralysis. David went through a season where the previous generation attempted to kill his future. And that's not unique, because it also happened with Moses. It happened with Jesus. At the time of any genesis of a work that God is doing, the enemy will try to stop it from going forward. That's why you have to be stronger than the issue. So today, God is saying to his people, I need for you to be strong. Be very courageous. I'm going to say it again. God is saying, be courageous. Be very courageous. Be very courageous because persecution is only going to increase. Problems and misunderstandings and even not misunderstandings. I mean, direct opposition to Christianity is going to increase. We're seeing that more and more. The, the major media does not share much of what's going on in this nation with regards to how Christianity is being treated. You have to know that. But in your daily life, you will see it. You'll see it on the job. You'll see it in your community. You'll see it sometimes among your family. So we have to be strong. We have to be bold, courageous. Say to your neighbor, you have to be bold and courageous. <clears throat> David had already learned to work with the word of God. David had already learned to encourage himself in the Lord. David did all things well because he did it as unto the Lord. 
while he was going through his valley experiences. Now, here's the blessing concerning the wisdom of God. Knowledge will give you options. When you don't have knowledge, you won't know if you have options. When you know the word of God, you know your options. And today more than ever, we have to know God's word. Because when situations and circumstances happen to you, what is it that you rest on? Jesus said, he who builds his house on the rock, when the storms come, because storms will come. He's telling you, storms will come. But when the storms come, those who build their house on the rock, the house will not fall. But before he started to say the story, he says, those that know my word or honor my word are like the man who built his house on the rock. In other words, when we trust God's word, we're trusting the rock. So when circumstances come, find the word, find a promise to superimpose upon the circumstance and situation. Because <clears throat> if you don't have a word, what is the alternative? I'll tell you what the alternative, worry, fear, anguish, being disillusioned, despair, anger, frustration. That's the alternative. But when you have his word, you can declare his word. And his word, Jesus said, John 6, 63, my word is life. The words I speak to you, they're spirit and they're life. One day he goes and he passes by a tree, a fig tree, looks for figs, didn't find any figs. So he cursed the tree, spoke. He, he sent his words at the tree and he kept on walking. And the disciples looked. He, he's talking to trees now. Our Messiah is very unusual. He's very eclectic. And that's it, he just kept on walking. The next day they passed by that same moment and the tree was dead. Jesus, look! The tree that you cursed is dead. And in John, I think, 11, 23, and 24, he says, listen, have faith in God. Other versions say, have the faith of God. God speaks things that are not as though they were. He speaks life into places that are dead. He speaks resurrection. He says, if you speak to your mountain and believe with all your heart that the things you say shall come to pass, what you say will come to pass. And it's interesting because it talks about three times speaking and one time believing. Amen. So when we speak to our mountain, how do we talk to it? You again? So tired of you. Hate every time you come, I have to climb you. Or get thee behind me. Get, be, be thou removed. In Jesus' name. But again, we have to have a word for it. And this is the key. Think about it. When David went and saw Goliath, what was the word of the Lord that he had from God to defeat the Goliath? No, no. What did God say to David? No, no. Thank you. David. I, I, I'm looking for communication. What? word did God give to David concerning Goliath? He spoke with himself. What did you say? He spoke it himself. He spoke it himself. Because, uh, this day, uh, 
No, listen. You have me and he spoke it himself. Because that's the truth. God didn't give him a specific word. He had the general word of God. He had the relational word. He had that relationship with God. He says, this guy, he'll be just like that bear and like that, that lion. He had past experiences with God. So those past experiences and the past word of the Lord that had come to him, you're going to be the next king. So he knew if you would have battled with that Goliath, he was going to still live. Because God told him he was going to be a king. You're going to be king. So that giant can't take me down. Exactly right. Remember when Jesus said, let's go to the other side? They got in the boat. Let's go to the other side. In the middle, they have a storm. And the disciples are crazy. Oh my God, we're going to die. Jesus is sleeping. Yes. Why? Because he said, we're going to go to the other yes. side. He sent his word. Yes. And David understood that. He knew God. He trusted God. He just had such boldness and confidence in God's ability. Yes. Not in my ability, but in God's ability. God promised it. Therefore, if he promised it, he will accomplish it. Amen. Hallelujah. So he didn't have a specific word. So sometimes you won't have, let's say, a Sunday prophetic word. Like you'll come here and we'll say, Yay, the Lord said to you that on Tuesday, Goliath is going to show up at 3.30 in the afternoon. And in that time, you will get five stones. Not six, not four, five stones. And the first stone you throw, that will go right between the helmet. So aim at the helmet. Don't aim, don't aim at the knees. Aim at the helmet. Yay, thus saith. He didn't get any of that. But he trusted God. He had the, he had the word of God. And there are times, you know, let's say it's Tuesday and you're, you're at work. Uh, Lord, can I have a word, please? Can I have a word? You already have his word. You're carrying his word. And you could be confident that the same God that blessed you on Sunday while we're singing that song and we were jumping up and down and having a great time is the same God that's with you on Tuesday. And when you declare his word, his word has power on Tuesday like it has on Sunday. Hallelujah. So David knew that. And that's why he was able to, I mean, aggressively come against that enemy. A matter of fact, he chased after the enemy. He charged them. A little, little man in comparison to a nine foot plus. Some people in history believe he was at least nine plus. Because, you, know, you know, you measure cubits, turn them into inches. I don't understand cubits. <laughs> I understand inches. Give me feet and inches. So some people uh, have interpreted it as being nine plus feet tall. That's pretty tall. Because this might be nine something. Yeah, it might be nine something, because eight foot is right around there. Yeah, Goliath might be actually scraping his head on the ceiling. And, and David was an average-sized man, maybe six feet or so. That's, you know, big. And meanwhile, he had no fear of him. What is going on in his head? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Is because he had already wired his mind, his heart, his soul. He had already connected to Almighty God. He had confidence, boldness in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But if you don't know the truth, if you don't know the Word of God, 
the truth that you don't know cannot set you free. And whatever you accept in your life, you cannot change. Because you've accepted it and your mind has accepted it. Yeah, I know, God is good. Yeah, he's good and all that stuff. But for me, that stuff doesn't work. Well, guess what? It doesn't work. Because you're not accepting it. You're not allowing your mind to be changed to receive God's word, God's goodness. It's already there, but you're just not accepting it. It's the same thing like, you know, my mother's generation... My, my mother's generation doesn't understand banking today. I have to do her banking. And uh, there are times I tell her, Mom, you can do this. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. No, no, I cannot do that. I said, Mom, you could. No, 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 I can't. You know, I guess you can. Her generation cannot absorb. Or not that it cannot absorb, because at any age you can. Is that her mind is so locked that I can't, I can't, I can't, that she can't. And she won't. Because she can't hear, she can't hear. And this is what God wants to break. Let your mind be renewed. Romans chapter 12. We're not, our minds have to be renewed. in order. We're entering into 2020 in the next couple of weeks, for crying out loud. We'll be in the year 2020. And, and God wants us to come in with our eyes wide open, with wisdom, with understanding, with strength, with boldness in the Holy Ghost. Conquering as we go in. I said, I'm saying again, conquering as we, as we walk in, as we go in. Not with a, a, a mindset of, oh my God, what is going to happen? I'm so concerned about the future. Well, you're concerned about the future because your perspective is not grounded scripturally. Because God is in your future. And, and God already spoke to you. He says, I have a good future for you. I want to give you a blessing. I want to give you a future. I want to give you a hope. But if you're thinking differently, you won't receive what he has for you. David learned how to encourage himself even in the most difficult of times, in the most difficult of circumstances. Hallelujah. The devil will always increase his attacks on you when something is about ready to be birthed in you. Whenever major decisions are involved, Always expect major problems or satanic attacks, but praise God, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he will not be able to stop your promotion. He will not be able to stop your divine provision. He will not be able to stop the divine connections, the partnerships, the alliances, that which God is forming. Hallelujah. Problems do exist. We understand that. Conditions exist. But only people with this prophetic picture, with this relationship with God, knowing who He is, and knowing your relationship, being secure in your relationship with Him, only those people will be able to do something about it. They will also have the emotional energy and resolve to endure the momentary pain and perceived uncertainty. At the moment that David was being, uh, almost an attempted murder, right? The javelins were being thrown at David. What was David's perspective? God's with me. <laughs> Something's wrong with my king, but I know God's going to keep, keep me. Because one day, I'm going to be in his position. So I have to give this man some latitude. Whoop, oh, another javelin. Okay, I have to give him, I have to give him some latitude. Whoop, yeah. Because yeah. one day, I'm going to be in his position. Hallelujah. Someone once said, here aren't any great men. They're just great challenges that ordinary men 
like you and me, are forced by circumstances to meet. You hear it on the news all the time. Oh, he's a hero. She's a hero. What did they do? At the moment, you know, some crazy guy was doing something and they tackled him. Didn't even think twice. They just tackled him. So now suddenly, bam, they're a hero. So what were they before they tackled that person? Ordinary man. Ordinary woman. Right? But during the time of the sudden crisis, the way they handled the crisis differentiated them from all the other average men and women. So when crisis comes to you, how are you going to handle it? Or, don't, or we don't think that crisis will come to us. We're the type of people we watch on TV, things happen to people, we go, bendito, I'm so sorry. But you never expect it to happen to you. I, I hear that all the time. You know, they always interview people whenever something happens in a community, some bad. And almost always the people say, yeah, that never happens in our community. You liar, it just happened last week, man. <laughs> that neighborhood was, <laughs> yeah, things happen. But they never think that anything's going to happen to them. You have to wisen up. Wise up, things are going to happen. It's not of whether the storm's going to come or not. The storm will come. How are you building? The time to build on the rock not, is not when the hurricane is 10 minutes away. <coughs> the time to build on the rock is when it's sunny. And when you have the resource and when you have the energy. And instead of sitting down watching the three amigos... That's dated, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, don't blame me. My wife, she took me out of TV a long time ago. We only watch Hallmark now from time to time. Don't blame me. Blame her. Lord, it's the woman you gave me. <laughs> so instead of being home lazy, we should be working. We should be building. We should be studying. We should be memorizing the Word of God. We should be preparing for the battle. Learn, learn, the Bible says, from this wise animal, the ant. All summer long is thinking about winter. And all winter long is thinking about summer. It always projects what it's going to do. It always thinks about the next season. What am I going to do? So what can we do now to prepare for the next season? The ants innately know that they have to have uh, resources when they're underground, provision, or when they're underground, all went along. And so all they do is all summer long is look for food, look for resources, and go back. Everything okay? You need some more? All right, let's get some more. And they just continue incessantly. They work day and night. Amazing. They don't have TV, they don't have cell phones. Imagine a little ant, you know. Yeah, section A, how you doing? Section B is full, okay, let's go to section C now. <laughs> they actually communicate by, yeah, that's how they do. I would watch them and they actually talk to each other, go like that. No, extreme they're extremely organized. Extremely organized. One time I was sitting down in a park 
and, and I saw an answer, I went like that, my mistake, just to push it away, and, and unfortunately, I, I killed it. So then two or three other ants came to it, and you saw they would go to it, go like that to it, and then they go, go like crazy one, then they go back to it. One went away, came back with another 10. Yeah, serious, came back with another 10, and they looked. And after a while, what they did was they all dragged it away. I'm looking at it and saying, Ay, bendito, what have I done? <laughs> Those things experienced pain. They, they were hurt because, you know, Max, Max was gone. <laughs> Poor Max, you know. He was, he, was, he was like the grandfather of like 2,000 ants. Well, think about it. I watched it a while, but after a while, lunch, lunch, lunch time was over. I get back to work. I, I, I concerned about that. If they would have come to my shoes, and I would have said, "Okay, enough, enough, enough." I know red ants. I know red ants. I know red ants. Been bit by red ants. Yeah, bumblebees. Uh, not bumbles, but the yellow jackets. I know yellow jackets. They're very smart. Yellow jackets, are, they are every, all summer long, they're look, looking for their nectar and they're feeding the queen. Work hard. One time, right by where the door is, there was a barn and there was a nice big beehive. And I was really good uh, pitching when I was a kid. I played baseball. I was really good at it. So look, guys, I was in a camp. So we had about four or five guys. So watch this. Take stones. And I would hit it. I was really good at it. And I saw all the bees go this way into the woods. They all went that way. Came out, I saw them, they went that way. And I kept on, I kept on hitting it. They went that way, behind the trees, came around and attacked me in mass. They flanked me. And they got, I mean, they started biting me in my head, in my neck. Oh, and I started running to the infirmary as fast as I could. By the time I got there, I had stingers all over my neck. I was grabbing bunches of them, like that, just throwing a bunch as I was running. Okay, yellow jackets, do not throw stones. <laughs> very smart. They work very, very hard. We're the ones that choose not to work. We're the ones that choose not to advance. We're the ones that choose to disobey God. How were, you, how were you last year? What, what were your plans? When you first started the year 2019, what were your plans for this year? What is it that you were going to accomplish this year? Have you done all things well like David? Have you really, when, when God puts something in your hands, you do it with all of your heart. When you have an opportunity, do you, I mean, you attack that opportunity. Or do you just, yeah, it's an opportunity. Yeah. One of these days, one, one of these days. Yeah, there's many people like that. Then a year passes by, and then you want to try again the next year. One of these days, three years pass by, five years by, ten years pass by. One of these days, it's garbage. You're not going to do anything. You, you, you're not an investor. You're a consumer. People consume, 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 don't have anything left over. Ants invest, 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 and in their time of winter, they have more than enough. What are we doing? Investing or are we consuming? How are we sharing our gifts, our life, 
Uh, right now, you, you have youth, for all those youth that are young, take advantage. Take advantage. You can do the investing now. Better yourself now. Get, get the word of God in you now. You can do such exploits. I'm now looking at the others. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 60s now. And I'm looking back. I says, okay, some things I did well. I got to admit, some things God gave me a strategy and I took care of it, did well. Other things, like a simple thing. First investors came to me 45 years ago. I told them, just put $25 a month away. But I don't trust first investors. I don't trust second investors or third investors. I don't trust any of them. Back in that day, I didn't trust them. So I put $25 down and I didn't put anything else. So like 15, 20 years later, first investor was sending me a monthly report each and every week. So I had like that time back about $35. And I regretted that because I could have had 50,000, 70,000, 100,000. I had the advantage of investing and time as God gave life. If I'm 20 years old, I could expect to live to 70, 80, 90, right? So if I'm 20, and if I'm investing now, and God gives me that life, by the time 50 comes, by the time I raise my kids and they move out of the house, right? And they move out and don't bother me anymore financially, <laughs> one would think, one would hope. Because they all become successful and they all work. They make so much money, they don't need to tap into you anymore, right? So you figure you can go, you know, cruising a bit with the, with the missus, go to Italy, Italy Spain, huh? No bungee jumping. Don't put those things in my wife's head, all right? Because she actually will. I have her there today because I've protected her. Otherwise, she would have thrown herself off planes, done bungee jumping, and all that other stuff. No, no le ponga ideas en la cabeza. Don't put ideas in her head. Yeah. So, but I, I regret some things. So you that you're in your 20s, learn from me. You can't learn all things for yourself, so learn from the older folk. That's what the scripture says, the younger learn from the older, right? So if you have now the time, get yourself, if it's not first investors, I don't know, get some reputable company and start investing. And, and you know, we're so antsy. We get $10, ooh, ooh, $10, ooh, 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 I gotta spend it. It's a mistake. Take a couple of dollars, put it away, not to touch it. That's the other problem. We do save it, and then a month later, we go, mm-hmm. I got me some big money now. I have $800 in the bank. Gonna buy me a Mercedes. I'm just saying, it's so foolish that, you know, but a lot of people think that way. They have a couple of dollars, and now, that's it, they spend it. We're not investors, we're consumers. Somebody gives us an inheritance, $10,000. The next day it's $2. And the same way in the spirit, God gives us the gifts and abilities. And you know the story. You know how Jesus taught about the gifts. You have to invest the gifts. Therefore his glory, therefore the benefit of community. Everybody gets a gift or gifts. And he was very honored by those that multiplied what they had in, for his glory and for the benefit of those that they were serving. He's a good and faithful servant. Who was the one they called wicked servant? Lazy servant. The one that refused to invest the talent or the gift, right? So this year, 2018, what are we investing on? Well, I'm getting ready. And here's the problem with a lot of us. Ready, 
Aim. 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 On your mark. When we count to three. One, two, two point oh 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 one. <laughs> and you never fire. You never fire. I'd rather have a team that says, let's go do that. Yeah, phew, and they're, they're running. Oh, get back here, sir. Come on, come on, come on. All right, do, but let's, let's plan a little. I'd rather have those than those here. Um, let's get it done. All right, fine. Let's do a five-year report and a five-year study about the consequences. <laughs> yeah, some people, they, it's called like analysis paralysis. They're analyzing all the time. I want to fast, but every time I try to fast, listen, just fast. I, I'm going to pray. It's like those that are going to ask me a question. They go, can I ask you a question? Why don't you just ask the question? And then they ask the one question, then they say, then they go again, can I ask you a question? After a while I go, no. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, of course, not you. It's, it's like the night yeah, it's, it's, what does the scripture say? It says that God blesses the doers, not the hearers only. Because the hearers only think about it and then they forget. David didn't do that. He was disciplined. And when his season came, he was ready, he was ready, he was ready. But watch this. Because he was obeying while he was in the valley, watch what happened. He kept on being promoted even in the valley. And he was not the only one. Think about it. What about Joseph? Joseph was sold into slavery to Potiphar's house. He was promoted in Potiphar's house. Then he was accused unjustly. He landed in prison. The Bible says he was promoted in prison. He prospered in prison. How do you prosper in prison? I don't know. Joseph, Joseph did. Because he was diligent wherever he went. Whatever he did, he always did it as unto the Lord. Not me. I'm not going to work. My, my job, my supervisor, he's crazy. My supervisor's horrible. I'm going to give him nothing. Work is unto the Lord. That super might be gone next month. I've been in jobs where they've replaced four or five supervisors. And I had to get, continue to get used to different supervisors. Hallelujah. So it's, it's, it's up to us. It's our decision. But we are pre-wired already for success. We just have to, during the times of training, during the times of preparation, during the times of crisis, do all things well. You can even suffer well. We can even suffer well. Father, I'm in pain. I praise your holy name. Father, I'm going through injustice, but I praise and magnify your holy name. I know you're going to give me away. Father, I pray for those that are persecuting me. Bless them. That you can even suffer well. You can even go through the persecution well. You can please God in the midst of a persecution. You can please God in the midst of, of losing your job. Because of the trust that uh, the fact that God, I, I know I, I needed that job, but Father, you're my provider ultimately. So you always keep the perspective correct. And what will happen is God will say, see, my son, my daughter, they trust me. And they work in the process. And their latter state will be greater than their former state. Hallelujah. Praise God.
So the Joseph, the Joshua's, and the Davids of the kingdom of God understand the power and the value contained in the midst of obstacles. So as I land this, I just wanted to, to encourage you today because when things start speeding up, you know, it's almost like we're in a time where God's given us a, a, a moment of rest so that we can prepare. Because when the things speed up, they don't tell you. God doesn't say on February 17th, things are going to suddenly accelerate. He says, get ready. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Hallelujah. And so God is telling us, what are you doing during this time of investment? How are you investing? I've given you my word. I've given you my presence. I've given you strength. I've, I've given you a unique way of looking at things, of doing things. I've given you giftings. I've given you favor. So let's not abuse the favor. Let's do like David. All things well. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, my God. Thank you for all that you're preparing us to do. Thank you for the open door. Thank you, Lord God, even for the difficult times because you're training us there. And we're going through moments, my Lord, where we're learning things that can help us in our future. That could even help us to help others, my God. So I pray that you bless your people, Lord God, with wisdom, with insight in this day, and grant us understanding in this day. Because even though we're a church, a church family, we all go through our things individually. So there are things that the church general can't help us with, but it's you and me, you and me. So Holy Father, give us wisdom concerning our own situations whether they be mental, emotional, physical, relational, financial, in terms of our jobs, whatever it may be, Lord God, the way we view ourselves. Father, allow us to see the way you see us, my God. Give us that snapshot, that prophetic snapshot, that we might rejoice in who you called us and made us to be. We'll give you the glory for it. We thank you, Father, for your kindness. We pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You got something out of that? Yeah. Earlier, Minister Mickey spoke about Christmas. And think about it. What is Christmas? It's a man that made, up a, made his decision to go to the cross no matter what. For someone else. So aside of the holiday portion of it, that we're getting gifts to kids, we're you know, family members, we're preparing holidays. How are you being Christ in your community? How are you representing Christ in this holiday season? How are you representing His love in this time and season? Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. 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 We bless and praise your holy, holy, holy name, my Lord. Thank you, Father. How are you reflecting Jesus in this season? In your home? In your community? To your spouse? To your children? To your parents? 
at school, at work? How are you presenting Jesus in this Christmas season? Well, I'm saying happy holidays. That's not representing Jesus. What did Jesus do in his earthly ministry? Do some of that. Bring healing. Bring love. Bring grace. Bring forgiveness. Bring the knowledge of the word of the Heavenly Father. That's what we need to be about. What did he say? I'm about my father's business. How are you about your father's business? What are you doing? What are the tangible things? Well, he's in my heart. No, no, but what are the tangible things that you're doing to reflect Jesus? How are you attracting people to Christ? Or are you repelling people? So, Father, bless your people, Lord God, right now, with your wisdom, your grace, your favor, your tender mercies. Thank you, Father. Father, we break the power right now of any negative mindsets, of anything, Lord, that has hindered your people. And Father, right now we pray that your joy be loosed in and through them, that your wisdom be loosed in and through them, that your glory might reflect through them, my God, that your name might be glorified, that people might be saved and set free and encouraged in this season. There's so many people that go through depression in this season. Help us, Lord God, to bring life to them, to bring joy to them. Help us, Heavenly Father, to shift their atmosphere. We'll give you the glory for it. Hallelujah. And Father, right now, as we get ready to leave this place, I pray, Lord God, your continued blessing upon your people as they go in fellowship with their family and their friends. As they go back home, we thank you that your angels encamp round about them and guard them in all of their ways. Thank you, Father for providing for all of our need, all the ministries need, all of these families needs, all according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Father, for wisdom, for strategy in this week, for understanding in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, my Lord. I dismiss your people now from this place, thanking you that your angels encamp round about us and guard them and keep them in all of their ways. We pray all these things in the awesome and majestic name our Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you all. Remember, you're blessed and you are highly favored. So go be that blessing in this season that you're called to be. God bless you all.